everyone and welcome to season five of the Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. And today I'm delighted to welcome Jeff Gomez to the show. Jeff is CEO of Starlight Runner and one of the world's leading experts in story and narrative design. He works with executives, studios, global leaders to develop vast fictional story universes on properties like, well, Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformers and Spider-Man. So the conversation today, it was a bit of a geek fest at times, but really uh, it's an exploration of narrative design. In particular, Jeff describes how conceiving and developing stories as worlds that can be told across multiple platforms can unlock incredible value for us as creators, for brands. We also talk about this movement of audiences to participants and how as storytellers we can not only engage and learn from the audience, we can also harness this incredible feedback into our work and this leads us to explore what Jeff refers to as the collective journey which is a narrative archetype or modality which he argues is a more relevant way to think about story in today's hyper connected world we dig into what this means for film for culture and how generally we are moving from this Hollywood-centric storytelling structure to more global, more diverse, more inclusive narratives, which is very exciting and very cool. I learned so much talking with Jeff. He is incredibly urbane and articulate about his work and the future of storytelling. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. If you're enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a few ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe for updates at the home of Future of Film. That's futureoffilm.live. Here you can check out all five seasons of the podcast and dig into other free resources like the Future of Film report, the Future of Film blog, and also check out the Future of Film Summit. So that's Future of Film. Live, And why not just also hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice to ensure you don't miss another episode of the show. We have some amazing guests coming up in season five. So be sure to hit subscribe and check out futureoffilm.live. And so that just leaves me to say thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this wide ranging conversation with CEO of Starlight Runner, Jeff Gomez. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alex. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for taking the time. Uh, I know you have a, a lot going on at the moment, even though we're, we're all still in some form of lockdown. Um, how, how has the last year been for for you um you know we're recording this in early 2021 how has your year been how's business been 
Well, you know, uh, Starlight Runner Entertainment, my company was formed in 2000 and, uh, and we had a core group um, uh, back then that had been put together between 2000 and, and 2002 who have been together all this time. So, um, uh, so that was a five day a week schlep to the office in Manhattan. <laughs> um, it's like a studio and, uh, and sit down and start, uh, you know, building story worlds and, and, uh, and having meetings with, uh, uh, executives out of Los Angeles and, uh, thinking about the, um, uh, uh, the, these franchise universes and, and ways that they can be extended across all these different media platforms. And when you do that long enough, it's sort of like you're in a rock band, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no matter how much you can't stand each other out <laughs> off the stage, <laughs> when you get on the stage, you know, you perform uh, beautifully and elegantly and, and it, it works. We were a bunch of cantankerous New Yorkers. Um, uh, so um, this past year has really been the first time that the band is, is kind of broken up, has, has uh, you know, uh, uh, gone off and, and stayed in touch, of course, to do our work, um, uh, you know, uh, digitally. Um, but also we've taken advantage of these extra hours and, and uh, the slowdown in Hollywood to kind of pursue uh, uh, personal projects. Um, so uh, the Starlight Runner band are all pursuing their solo albums. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's, uh, it, it sounds sounds, uh, sounds like a, a a welcome respite, I suppose. And I suppose it, in some ways it has been that for for, for many of us as well as all the other um, challenges. So, so Starlight Runner, you, you, you say you started that in just after 2000 and it was about building franchises. And where, where did that, where did the thinking come from to, to set that up? And what, yeah, what, what is the work that you do at Starlight Runner? In, in 2000, um, as far as I understood the word, a, a franchise was like, you, you know, you're a, a Firestone auto mechanic <laughs> garage, <laughs> you know, or perhaps even a sports team. Uh, uh, I wasn't thinking about franchises in, in 2000. I was thinking about how um, uh, fans uh, in this uh, new digital age uh, wanted to enjoy uh, their favorite story worlds. So um, uh, what my concern was building Starlight Runner initially was that story was still repeating itself uh, across different media platforms, right? You, you uh, 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 watch the movie, you purchase the novelization of the movie, and you played the awful video game of the movie, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I didn't think it was going to... Uh, uh, be successful if if um, uh, American the American entertainment industry kept pursuing that at a time when the array of content, particularly user generated content, was so interesting and engaging. We were going to watch our stories once and then go off and create our own stories and interact with each other and pursue our interests in in different ways. Um, 
so um, I, I drew inspiration from from two things: um, a Japanese media mix, which I loved so much, uh, a Japanese anime, and how uh, a Japanese storytelling uh, a kind of uh, jumped across uh, a different media platforms with different interpretations of the characters and and expansions upon those those universes, those story worlds, and also kind of like Marvel comics where. Uh, uh, this shared universe was distributed across uh, many different titles, which pursued their own plot lines, but uh, quite often crisscrossed and um, and allowed for you to uh, um, uh, watch your favorite characters engage with one another in uh, adventures. Uh, could we somehow adapt those techniques uh, to uh, big entertainment, big media? Um, and this was 2000, kind of an alien prospect. <laughs> um, uh, but I had been successful at doing that uh, at um, Acclaim Entertainment um, uh, and Valiant Comics, where we um, uh, developed Magic the Gathering and uh, Turok uh, across multiple platforms in a kind of concerted fashion. And, um, and so I, I took those techniques and kind of formalized them uh, with this new team of mine at Starlight Runner, and um, and we started to to work on really cool projects like Mattel's Hot Wheels and uh, Walt Disney's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow, yeah. So that's Marvel Marvel Comics, the Marvel Comics before the the MCU, and uh, I'm sure we're sort of we'll, we'll touch on that later. Uh, so yeah, so you would help these. Um, brands or uh, properties develop their story worlds across different platforms. Is that is that how it works? That's it exactly. Um, uh, so um, a, a company like Mattel would present us with uh, all these Hot Wheels toys, <laughs> and um, and they'd say, "Well, we're we're interested in in doing maybe a, a comic book." That we can pack in with the uh, with the toy cars. Um, uh, can you can you guys create that? And we said, well, we'll do you one better. We'll invent a universe um, in which the cars can race, but there will also be drivers of the cars, characters that the uh, the kids can empathize with and uh, can see as aspirational. And, um, and from there, you'll be able to do anything because you've got this universe of crazy orange tracks um, and a reason for them to race and, um, and enemies for them to fight and, and, and things like that. And, and Mattel said, well, all right, knock yourself out <laughs> as long as it doesn't cost us too much. <laughs> um, and, um, and so we, we did those comic books, but we also did uh, animated uh, episodes, a whole series which aired on Cartoon Network. We did video games with THQ. We did special promotions with Target stores and McDonald's. Um, uh, it, it became, uh, you know, a, a big deal, even a website. And this was in 2000, where the lore and the, um, uh, the, the background of the characters could be explored. So it was, um, uh, 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 in essence, what we called back then a trans-media uh, universe right yeah and so those principles those those ideas of expanding the the universe in that way um 
have you, have you lost the dash now when you talk about, I think we lost the dash when we talk about transmedia. What does that, can you apply that to, to anything or does, is it, do you need a particular kind of source material or property to, to implement those strategies on? Um, you know, uh, I, I was, uh, I was really awestruck by, uh, uh, how the behaviors of, of young people were changing at the turn of the century, um, uh, how they were moving from one medium to the next without even thinking about it. Um, in, in essence, surfing media platforms, uh, as easy as you and I surf the internet right now. And, um, uh, I, I thought, wouldn't there be um, a, a, a wonderful uh, technique to uh, essentially have story do the same thing? Um, uh, you know, um, if if the universe were distributed across these these platforms, uh, then we can enjoy that universe in different ways, in, engaging with it interactively. Uh, uh, as a video game, or even contributing to it or talking about it with our own user-generated content on, on YouTube. Um, uh, so the, the answer is, of course, it can be done uh, with, with most any narrative, providing that the narrative is rich, um, uh, that there's a past, present, and future uh, uh, to the narrative, that um, uh, uh, there are perhaps multiple characters, if you're if you have a story that takes place in a single room with uh, uh, some uh, navel gazing uh, young adults, you know, talking about, you, you know, uh, mundane things, then it's it's not going to work out very well. Um, but if uh, if your story world is fairly rich, um, uh, you can uh, affect some really interesting things. Uh, the Lizzie Bennett Diaries um, uh, was was created as a, um, a YouTube a series, and it rapidly became this kind of transmedia implementation. The budget for that was tiny, um, and and yet the um, uh, the fans uh, adored these characters who were you know essentially keeping video diaries of of their uh, their lives and their romantic entanglements. Uh, and uh, and soon uh, you had you know um, uh, MP3 playlists and um, and and novels and um, uh, user generated content uh, that uh, behaved in dialogue with the drama of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, um, and that became uh, a quite the phenomenon. How do how do you control that though when? you have all of that interaction from audiences. I mean, there's so much I want to talk about here and so, you know, I'd love to think about your, your, some of your work and projects with like Avatar and how, how we manifest, manifested that. But yeah, just specifically on that, when you have the audience engaging in those ways, what I can see, a, I can see some brands particularly maybe having a bit concern about that. How, how do we kind of control that or how do we own that in a way? Um, is that something that you manage or, or manage expectations of? Uh, well, um, uh, I walked into this with eyes wide open. <laughs> I was in the comic book industry in the 1990s when uh, message boards and America Online, all those sorts of things were, were, uh, were, you know, being activated. 
And, um, and as a comic book editor, I would look at those message boards and be horrified because um, the uh, a combination of anonymity and, uh, and the fact that you were amongst a, a community that was deeply familiar with your story world, in my case, the, the comic book titles, the superhero comics uh, at Valiant, um, they were able to speak incredibly candidly. Uh, sometimes scathingly uh, about the uh, uh, about the books, and then they'd get into fights with each other that were just horrific, um, and and this was very early on. So um, uh, the um, uh, the the answer occurred to me uh, b- before um, uh, you know the advent of what we now see as as social media, and and that answer was in listening. Um, in, in saying, hey, what do you think about this? Um, I'm interested in what you have to say. Speak to me. If you're going to speak to me, you know, uh, you have to be a little chill because I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tolerate, you know, abuse. Um, uh, and, um, and when you lay down those, those rules, but make yourself accessible, uh, the attitude completely changed. Um, and and then uh, myself and my team started to uh, to get tremendous value out of that engagement, and um, and so uh, early on in Starlight Runner, we would advise our clients to install an architecture for dialogue. In other words, a formal way for the audience to communicate with the brand, with the storyteller, uh, uh, with the. Um, uh, 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 with the company, so that uh, that feedback can be uh, uh, implemented and and uh, and valued, um, uh, validating and celebrating the participation of your audience in the story world. Um, uh, this this was um, uh, uh, something that when we used it, when our our client allowed us to use it, always was effective, but it's still very scary. And, uh, and a lot of clients were hesitant. Um, and to this day, you're, you're seeing uh, uh, strange and, and nasty conflicts between uh, uh, corporations and their own audiences, uh, which I think really uh, is ultimately corrosive and, and destructive. listening to the future of film podcast and i'm in conversation with jeff gomez if you want to find out more about jeff or any of the other guests on the show you can do all of this at the home of future of film that's futureoffilm.live that's futureoffilm.live so you you mentioned you saw a lot of benefits coming back to you from from that feedback um, what kind of benefits w- were they and, um, and how did you uh, assimilate them? Sure, sure. Um, I, I, again, this dates back uh, way, way, uh, just as we were developing these, um, uh, these techniques. Uh, so when I would um, uh, uh, develop a, a video game in the 1990s and, and made my uh, email address available to... Um, uh, uh, to the fans through these interviews that I was giving uh, to promote the video game, I would get hundreds, if not thousands, of of emails <laughs> um, uh, from fans. 
um, you know, my my fellow game developers said, why are you doing that? That's, you know, um, you're only setting yourself up to fail. Um, uh, those people are horrible. <laughs> and um, and I'd say, well, you know, uh, um, I, I, I'm trying to get ideas for the sequel to Turok. Um, you know, what what can go into Turok 2? What do the fans want? And, and I would create a little form email <laughs> and, um, and, and, and ask them uh, and, and say, if, if I like what you, what you have to say, I'll, um, I'll send you the cheat code <laughs> to, to Turok. And, um, and I got wonderful ideas. A lot of fans wanted to be able to ride a dinosaur. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we didn't have the technology to to allow for that in the game, uh, and I, I then I asked the game developer if if, it, if something like that were possible, and they said under cer certain circumstances, sure, um, and and we did it, and when the fans saw it, they just loved it, and and they loved me, <laughs> you know, it, it built this incredible intimacy and loyalty. Some of those email exchanges that I had with fans in the 1990s, uh, I, I now know them as, as middle-aged, you know, uh, 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 people now. <laughs> They've stayed in touch with me. Um, uh, so bringing that mentality into um, uh, uh, large-scale corporate imp implementations um, is, is something that we really um, promote and, um, and try to, to get uh, companies to do. Um, an example more contemporary would be that <clears throat> um, uh, Sony Pictures felt that the response to The Amazing Spider-Man was a little soft. And they asked us, you know, what, what ought to be done in the script to The Amazing Spider-Man sequel to, to strengthen the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And, uh, and we asked them to, uh, uh, to hand over the Twitter data um, uh, from the fan response to the first picture. And, um, and they said, well, you know, there's, there's not much in there. You know, it's just a lot of babble. <laughs> um, and, um, and we said, no, you know, there, there are attitudes uh, about the Andrew Garfield interpretation, um, uh, what fans liked about it, but also not what they didn't like, because very few fans actively hated Andrew Garfield. But there was a certain tonality to his character that wasn't quite hitting it on the mark for, for the brand, for, for who Spider-Man actually was. And we were able to uh, uh, file a report uh, based on that data uh, that we hoped would impact the script. Um, uh, flash forward, it, it did not. <laughs> Our advice was not adhered to in that particular instance. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so you, you can uh, you can only do so much, but that's uh, that's fascinating. And so, do you see? Is it a case then? You see the 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 audience as such are becoming participants i suppose that's not a new new concept but is that seems to be i think for a lot of storytellers um and and filmmakers that's still a very difficult concept to 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 get get around and um and i think it was also it maybe doesn't it doesn't work so well when it's just a single 
property, right? So it's just you get your feedback, and I suppose then you can take it on for the next uh, the next project. Um, but yeah, to, do you want to talk a little bit about that that movement from audience to participation? Where do you where do you sort of see that heading? Oh well, um, uh, just to address the point you 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 made, yeah. it is um, uh, it, it is very interesting because um, uh, with uh, shared universe uh, transmedia implementations, um, uh, if the um, uh, uh, director or or the the creative visionary in charge of a specific piece of that story world wants to pursue a very different vision, a very different interpretation, uh, what you can get is really interesting. We, we see the Joker uh, um, uh, from the uh, uh, DC superhero uh, uh, movies, and that's very different and very interesting and actually very successful. Uh, but it is not of a piece with the rest of the, the shared universe. Um, uh, so that, that kind of fractures the, uh, the implementation. That's fine, but your expectations have to be different about each individual uh, movie. Whereas um, uh, the uh, approach where the universe and the characters kind of rule overall, uh, where the director and the producers are serving uh, the, the universe and, and uh, need to maintain the integrity of the story world, um, that actually makes uh, more of the content bulletproof. That, that makes it um, uh, consistently uh, successful, if it's successful in the first place. Um, uh, so those are kind of two different schools of, of transmedia uh, implementation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and, um, and then the issue of, the, um, uh, of, of fan involvement. Um, I, I think we're going in a good direction you know, if you look at how uh, uh, fans are intrigued by uh, the recent uh, goings on in Star Wars and uh, uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, uh, you have this tidal wave of content uh, being generated on YouTube and other platforms that speculate about these um, uh, 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 developments in the narrative. And, um, and tie them back to previous works, previous movies or the comic books themselves. And this creates added value uh, for the franchise uh, because now everyone is running back to watch Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> you know, not necessarily the best movie in the, in the whole, <laughs> you know, series, but um, uh, of great interest if you're watching WandaVision, right? Um, and, and so you're you're reactivating your library. You're you're um, you're bringing dollars into um, uh, the franchise as a whole, as opposed to just the most recent um, uh, iteration. Is the is the MCU for you like a, a textbook example of how to implement this? Is it how, how do you how do you see that execution? The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a uh, is now a, a textbook example. Um, it, it's a testament to the uh, force of will of the franchise visionary Kevin Feige uh, to have pushed to make the changes uh, 
uh, uh, structurally to the Walt Disney Company, uh, but also from a legal standpoint, uh, negotiating these deals. And, um, and from a producerial standpoint, uh, to demand the integrity uh, of this story world whilst not alienating these individual very, very strong uh, directors to make it all work, uh, to, to create this uh, magnificent uh, pipeline of, of content, uh, a lot of which is actually not bad. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty good content. It, it, it's touching, you know, it, it has things to say. Uh, about uh, the human condition, about where we are historically in, a, in the post 9-11 uh, world and now in the post-COVID uh, world. That's not bad. That's, that's kind of an accomplishment. But uh, he had to um, uh, deal with um, uh, uh, the politics of Universal Pictures and Sony Pictures who own the Hulk and Spider-Man. He had to deal with recasting <laughs> Um, uh, 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 you know, performers who who were you know difficult or or didn't weren't available. He had to um, uh, negotiate all these multi-picture deals. Um, uh, he had to get uh, uh, performers to be willing to do streaming. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, kind of slumming it uh, compared to uh, uh, these major feature films. It was a lot, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I guess it's um, and it's uh, unfolded over a, a number of years now. I mean, I, I suppose it's you know we look at the MCU and we think uh, and Disney and that's it's, it's fascinating. But I suppose from an independent storyteller's perspective, you know, how can we take these principles on as a as a storyteller, but also as a as a business? Because it seems to me that there's a lot more. Um, Potentially, you know, it's it's a much more robust business model when you're able to exploit stories across different platforms and to to renew it. Um, but how do you? I guess I guess how do you? How would you counsel independent storytellers to to think about this? Um, uh, well, we've been involved in, in some independent projects. Um, uh, you know, my team uh, loves documentary. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we're believers in these techniques being applicable to, to low budget and, and independent uh, uh, projects. Uh, so, for example, uh, we saw um, a, a little video about um, how uh, dogs were used to, to help uh, rescue workers at Ground Zero, uh, 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 you know, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. And it was so wonderful and so touching. Uh, we uh, connected with the, uh, the filmmaker, Ken Bell, and, uh, and asked him, you know, what his plans were. And he said, well, there's so much information about what happened uh, with the dogs, because his, his love was, was for uh, the, the dogs that it could be, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And, and so we um, uh, got in touch with producers in, in Canada and Animal Planet and, uh, and started to develop a, a feature documentary, uh, Hero Dogs of 9-11. Um, uh, we um, uh, worked with a company called Kellen Content and Ken Bell, and we, we developed this wonderful website 
but also a, a, a speaking tour um, so that um, uh, uh, Ken and Tanya could go across the country and, and talk about this um, uh, incredible story. Um, uh, we set up a website and out of that site spun a whole franchise called The Dog Files, um, uh, which Ken uh, runs to this day and, um, um, and, and focuses on the, the, the kind of heroic things that doggies do uh, with, their, with their masters. So this became a little uh, kind of transmedia implementation um, that, that made everyone involved uh, a little bit of money and, um, and, and continues to persist. Uh, and um, and those were with um, uh, transmedia techniques. The technique was, what is this world, and um, uh, and how does this world manifest in different ways across uh, different media platforms, um, and how do we engage um, uh, fans? In in this case, people who empathized and loved dogs. Well, there are a lot of those. <laughs> um, uh, to um, uh, to participate, to talk about what happened, to talk about their own pets and and how uh, they see their pets as heroic, and and that dialogue is uh, you know attracts sponsors, <laughs> and um, and becomes little cottage industry. Sounds like a great uh, great case study. So that's I mean that's fascinating. So you so those principles of thinking about the audience thinking about the platforms that would be different ways to approach the story um and different audiences to engage with are there any other ways that you when you get a property or you have an idea how do you how do you sort of work through that is it just a case of right we're going to go we're going to answer these key questions first that is absolutely the approach. Um, uh, everything starts with questions. Um, it, it's how this whole adventure uh, uh, with Starlight Runner and my career began, um, uh, asking the fans uh, uh, questions, um, but also asking the creators questions. And, and in each of these uh, implementations, whether we're working on Avatar or we're working on uh, you know, um, a, a documentary in my lifetime, the nuclear world project, right? That's a pretty heady uh, uh, situation. Uh, you know, the uh, a documentary about uh, nuclear pro proliferation. We we did the transmedia on that project, and um, and we knew little about that stuff. So we had to to ask many questions, and and the goal in that documentary project was to engage young people to get them interested in, in um, uh, the continuing fight to, uh, uh, you know, denuclearize the, the world. And, um, uh, you know, so we, we needed to, to f uh, form a bridge uh, between uh, the complexities of, of um, you know, uh, uh, pulling down these weapons around the world and demanding that, that governments um, uh, dismantle nukes and um, and and ordinary people who wouldn't know the first thing about how to do that sort of thing, um, and and, um, and so that spirit of inquiry, and and trying to get people who wouldn't ordinarily put their thinking into kind of common language, um, or 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 emotional 
you know, provoking an emotional response in, in people because it's emotion that makes us activate. Um, uh, that's the bridge that, that we formed in order to build the transmedia implementation around it. We didn't want to just attract academics and, and um, uh, poli-sci students. Uh, we wanted to get people marching in the street. Uh, that was the goal of the, the project. So, um, uh, so by asking those questions and being storytellers, you know, uh, taking those answers and turning them into uh, a provocative and engaging mini narratives, we were able to create a, uh, uh, an implementation around that documentary um, that did the trick. I was, it's really interesting to hear these examples of of different you know different scales of projects and thinking about how these tools can be used for for impact as well as um, you know social impact as well as um, you know commercially. Um, Always been a big uh, concern of ours. Um, uh, the application of transmedia techniques for uh, positive uh, uh, and, and progressive social causes. I guess it could be used for ill as well, potentially. I guess these techniques are not, they're, they're, they're neutral techniques which can be, um, could, can be applied for, you know, across, for different purposes. You, you know, Alex, uh, just a point on that. Uh, when, when, when people say used for ill, they're really, from our perspective, uh, only one thing that you need to do with, with transmedia communication and transmedia storytelling to use it for ill. And that would be to obfuscate the facts um, or, or to, um, uh, you know, to lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, so if, if there is um, uh, a dishonor, if, if, you're, if you're really just, just trying to deceive with, um, with your communication, um, uh, you know, uh, almost always uh, um, bad things happen. I'd like to ask you to talk a little bit about the collective journey, Jeff. Mm. Um, what do you, so I know this is a, a real passion area for you. Tell me what you mean by that term and where, why you think it's so important. Uh, it, it's really important. Alex, and, and um, it's, I've devoted the past several years of my life to it. Um, uh, I started to notice that um, that story uh, operated uh, differently in the uh, 21st century. Um, uh, and, and it started to puzzle people. <laughs> um, uh, for thousands of years, essentially since the, the dawn of humanity, um, uh, a narrative operated in, in almost a kind of circular fashion. Um, and this, is, this makes sense because uh, as uh, primitive human beings, uh, the world was a, a, a tremendously dangerous place. And, um, and we had to, uh, we were compelled to venture forth from the safety of our, our homes, whether that was in trees or in caves. And, um, uh, you know, uh, brave the conflicts of the, uh, the wild in order to uh, get food or fire or other people in order to, to propagate, in order to, to uh, save ourselves. Um, 
so so that meant that um, uh, a, a strong individual needed to be uh, called to the mouth of the cave, needed to be trained um, to go out into the wild, and then had to to pursue uh, uh, these goals. Um, and often uh, there was overt conflict involved, violence, right? Uh, you, you had to kill the, the animal. Uh, you might have to confront a stranger um, and, and so forth. Um, uh, there was trauma involved, but you, you uh, brought back the treasure uh, to the community and uh, you won, you were the hero, right? Your, your deeds were celebrated and those became proto-stories, uh, the, the first uh, narratives, because those were then used to, to train us um, in how to perpetuate these uh, heroic cycles, right? And those became more and more elaborate, and you got the, the great myths and the epic poems. Uh, and um, uh, to this day, if you look at any uh, story, there are elements of that hero's journey in them. Um, uh, my, my concern was that, um, uh, you know, in, in the uh, 21st century, uh, our narratives um, uh, became narratives that virtually anyone uh, can communicate uh, to a, a fairly large audience. Um, so everyone was becoming the hero of their hero's journey. <laughs> and, and if the instinct uh, uh, of the hero's journey is to assert your rightness on the wrongness of your antagonist. <laughs> What's going to happen is uh, fanboys are going to start fighting on, on message boards uh, about their favorite comic book heroes. Uh, but, you know, less than 20 years later, um, uh, people who believe in, in massive conspiracies that uh, you know, Democrats eat babies and worship Satan are going to to battle uh, people who don't believe that, and we're going to get in trouble. Um, uh, so um, uh, these tangled nonlinear narratives, it, it, you know, were were being used to to cause harm and and foment chaos and conflict, and um, uh, I, I started recognizing that. Um, uh, you know, in other countries, in the aughts, and, uh, and became worried that it would happen in the United States. And, um, and so I, I, I was, um, uh, I, what I tried to do was to determine what happens to the hero's journey cycle and, um, uh, and whether there was a new narrative modality that was emerging that could be helpful in making sense of what's happening to story. Um, this modality is something we call collective journey. Um, it is nonlinear, it is uh, uh, systemic. In other words, it's not uh, a polarized conflict between a protagonist and antagonist. It sees uh, the story world as a, a universe of characters, each of whom have their own agendas, their own goals, um, and, and their own journeys. And, um, and the uh, mechanism of collective journey is that of uh, um, uh, understanding or characters coming to understand that the system is under threat. Um, it, it is potentially self-terminating because there are fundamental flaws in the system. And so, 
the task uh, for the characters is not necessarily to defeat the bad guy, although those conflicts can happen. It would be to reconcile with enough characters in, in the story world to affect repairs to the system so that the system doesn't collapse and destroy everyone. Uh, so collective journey narratives are uh, reconciliation uh, narratives. Absolutely fascinating. And so powerful as, as, a, as a way to make sense of the world now. Is, it, is, is, the, is this intrinsically linked with the technological developments? It's, this is because we have so many platforms and channels, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and by and large, um, uh, I personally see that as a good thing. Um, uh, you have to remember that my background is, is um, uh, that I came out of uh, a very low-income uh, community. I'm a Latino. I'm a Puerto Rican. Um, uh, I, I didn't see uh, myself um, and my people in... Uh, in the media that, that surrounded me, um, uh, the concerns of, of the people uh, in poverty or in, in the projects or, or in schools with, with poor uh, uh, curricula uh, were, were not um, uh, signaled to the world. And, um, and this holds for anyone who is at uh, the kind of the bottom of the, uh, the food chain uh, uh, around the world, um, the, the internet, uh, and social media amplifies the voices of the voiceless. Um, uh, it gives us uh, the ability to, uh, to tell our stories and, and to complain a little bit about the way we've been treated and to, um, uh, um, uh, to, to band together, to self-organize, to push for um, uh, things that are going to make the world a better place for ourselves and for others. Um, that's fantastic, uh, Alex, and, and I'm all in, in favor of that. Um, uh, and, and, um, and that is a different kind of storytelling. That is not um, a, a single leader um, uh, raising their voice and, um, and often being punished or even assassinated uh, uh, for doing so, as we have seen in, in history. Uh, this is enormous numbers of people um, uh, who uh, come into contact with one another are like-minded and raise their voices collectively. And that's much harder to assassinate. <laughs> you know, in, in Myanmar, they have to unplug the whole internet <laughs> in order to keep the voices of, of the people who are the victims of a coup uh, to keep them silent, right? So, um, uh, uh, so that's a new narrative modality. Uh, that's a new way of, of telling story. And, um, and I think it's worth contending with uh, the abuses of social media and the um, subversion uh, of it in order to kind of transcend those challenges and, uh, and give, give the whole world a voice. Amazing. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned the word film very much today. I realise in the future of film podcast, but is this the, is this the do you see entertainment properties taking on some of these principles 
it feels to me like it's it's also very much like a, a game kind of principle. I mean, in terms of, I guess, look at MMOs and that sort of, you know, space. Um, and I guess also what you're, you know, what we what we're seeing in um, in properties like Fortnite and, and Roblox to some some extent, how people are forming communities within that and telling stories within those spaces i don't know where i'm going with this but <laughs> where the, it's, i'm just trying to process all this uh it's, it's a very exciting concept um but we, yeah where do you where do you sort of see that going on for entertainment let's say the the entire entertainment industry uh has changed uh, dramatically so, so here is where um, these new narrative modalities and, um, uh, uh, and particularly collective journey uh, come into play when it comes to film. Um, essentially, uh, what is happening for the first time in history, Alex, is that we have global uh, uh, broadcast networks, right? Um, uh, you know, in any country, Historically, you had, you know, the, the local radio channel, you had a, a national TV network, um, uh, you, you got to watch uh, things that, that generally reflected yourself, but the Hollywood uh, uh, modality of storytelling, the, the Hollywood model um, uh, was overwhelming. You know, it, it was the thing that, that everyone in the world aspired to, a Hollywood movie, right? And, um, and so uh, you had this tiny center, this tiny population filled with elite um, human beings, uh, people of great wealth, um, uh, uh, manufacturing uh, narratives that were imposed on the entire rest of the world. And yes, there, there were some, some nice morals to those stories. Um, uh, generally, Hollywood movies taught us to be uh, good people and appeal to our, our better uh, angels. But at the same time, it was extremely uh, uh, America-centric. Um, uh, the characters tended to be um, uh, white males <laughs> who were going on these uh, heroic journeys. And, um, and the sensibilities couldn't help but be biased uh, because it was being uh, filtered through these lenses, uh, the, the lenses of, of the elite. Um, uh, so um, uh, now what's interesting is you have these global networks. You have Netflix and uh, uh, Disney and, um, and Amazon uh, trying to, uh, to, to move across the world. And, 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 uh, and those governments around those worlds are saying, you know what, uh, you, you want to come here you'd better uh, toss us some cash and allow for uh, some of our content to get on that streaming service, <laughs> do you see? We want our stories uh, told through your Netflix, <laughs> um, it, right? And um, what's kind of cool is that, that um, they have no choice. They're, they're going to, to do that. Um, uh, so we're, uh, we're, we're getting, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, South Korean narratives and Japanese anime narratives and uh, and Indian uh, uh, narratives, um, uh, Eastern European narratives coming soon, right? Um, uh, Middle Eastern uh, narratives, eventually African narratives, 
uh, simply because that's the deal. That that's um, uh, that's the price of creating a global network. Um, when when you are trying to uh, make that content work, uh, because you want that content to work here too, right? If you if you flip through Netflix, you're going to see a few Korean uh, uh, projects, right? You're going to see a few anime uh, and, and so forth. Um, you need to understand uh, that um, that storytelling is a little bit different now. Um, uh, you need to see uh, the world as a system, um, and um, and that um, uh, and you can't polarize your your narratives the way that you used to. Um, uh, you know, good and evil; those notions are are Hollywood notions. You know, imposed on us uh, from a very Western. Uh, postmodern Judeo-Christian standpoint. They don't necessarily hold for the conflicts that we're seeing uh, from Asia or, or uh, Eastern Europe and, and so forth. We have to think differently. Um, that's where uh, collective journey modality um, uh, really is, is helpful. So if you look at some of the new uh, narratives that you're seeing on, on Netflix, um, that um, uh, that th those those notions those models are far more in use these days. Um, uh, we started seeing it in in projects like Orange Is the New Black and and Game of Thrones in in uh, American content, uh, but you see it all the time. Sweet Home uh, from from Korea uh, is a fascinating uh, a collective journey narrative. Um, uh, you're, you're seeing it in, in all kinds of, of uh, international uh, uh, projects. So um, uh, I think it's a good thing and, um, and it's, it's in the process of happening. And if your uh, submission to um, uh, Netflix, if you're pitching to them, uh, whether it's an independent project or uh, you know, a big uh, uh, you know, streaming series, um, you you do best not to polarize uh, a, a good and evil from a Hollywood sensibility. You do better to look at your script um, as a shared uh, universe, as a systemic uh, universe uh, that um, uh, that that offers uh, multiple perspectives on the situation, and uh, uh, in a very clever way, helps us to reconcile so that the, the, the world is repaired and perhaps sets up season two or a sequel. <laughs> Always got to think about the sequel. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's fascinating and, um, and some really great advice. Time has flown. We, um, we're, we're definitely coming to the end of our time. Um, do, you, do you have time for a couple more questions? Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Um, well, firstly, just uh, it's a question I ask all of my guests on here to, to bring this back, I guess, really specifically to independent filmmakers, independent storytellers, producers. Um, what, from your perspective, what is your advice? What would your advice be to an emerging storyteller? Um. Uh, there are a few things to to think about. Uh, number one is um, is to is to stop for a moment and uh, and look at the story that you want to tell. 
I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that that when I ask um, uh, an emerging storyteller, a new storyteller, what's your story really about? They just reiterate the plot to me. (laughs) Um, When what I want to know is is why um, uh, this story exists. Um, What um, are you so passionate about that you're willing to set aside a year or more of your life um, to devote to this thing that is unlikely to make you rich <laughs> um, and, um, and is, is going to be filled with compromise and heartache. Um, you know, what message are you delivering? Um, uh, what is it within your identity that is in this story that compels you to push so hard to get it done. I need you to pinpoint that. I need you to, to understand that because that is the, the core, the, the nugget deep within this project that cannot change, that cannot change. You can compromise cosmetics. <laughs> um, your budget could be cut, you know, 25%, um, but, uh, you're going to want to hold on to uh, the reason you're doing this in the first place, because if that's compromised, then why are we doing this at all? Uh, you know, unless somehow the the journey uh, of the project uh, created a metamorphosis within you and and uh, and opened your eyes to a new truth that emerges through the work. And that does happen uh, uh, sometimes. But why? What What is the fundamental uh, 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 reason that's going to be good for you, but also good for the world to experience as, as um, uh, the result of, of encountering this film. Um, uh, so so it's, it's that uh, core message. And then there is the message of, of commitment. Um, uh, are you willing to get this done? If you're not, um, stop, <laughs> stop. Um, uh, young uh, filmmakers, um, uh, they, they come to me and, they, and I ask them, well, what have you done so far? They, they quite often tell me, well, I, I started this project and I got this far with this second project and, and so forth and so on. And I go, so there's nothing that I can see, <laughs> um, you know, or it's, it's not finished. And they go, no, you know, and they give me a lot of explanations for it, but that doesn't work. You know, um, uh, you're not going to become a filmmaker if you don't make films. Um, so uh, whip out that iPhone and get the movie finished. <laughs> you know, um, uh, finish it, because if it's not finished, it doesn't count. Um, and, and, and my faith in you as a filmmaker is diminished uh, if, if you're not uh, making, uh, getting the film done. Um, a, a quality... Um, you know, is secondary to completion. That's great advice. Um, and, and, and lastly, uh, and you can take this question any way you want it, uh, but it's with a future of film podcast. And so Jeff, the question is, what is the future of film? Uh, it's it's everything we've been talking about, uh, uh, Alex. We are um, uh, 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 telling stories that uh, need to take into account the fact that the people watching these stories are not like us, um, and um, and so 
we need to, to take other perspectives into consideration. And the way to do that is to expand our personal experiences. It's to ask questions. Um, uh, it, it's to, um, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, be able to sit down with, with someone at the far end of a political spectrum uh, from, from ourselves and be able to talk uh, uh, calmly and openly with that person. And even though what that person is saying might sound uh, uh, reprehensible at, at first, um, uh, what you're really doing is digging down into the fundamental value system of that person. Um, uh, I've had the opportunity, uh, Alex, to analyze uh, and, and deeply delve into the, uh, the myths, the cultural mythologies of uh, people all around the world. And you know what? The value systems are not all that different. We all want to live. We all want to eat. We all want to love. We all want to propagate. Um, uh, and there are accompanying values to maintaining uh, uh, that, that standard of living uh, that the entire planet, all human life has in common. Um, uh, we need to uh, understand that, that there, the, the blockages to the, making those connections happen with judgment. Um, and often they are about relatively superficial things. Uh, so um, uh, empathizing with others, even who believe uh, uh, superficially uh, differently from you, is the way uh, to, to find yourself to the heart of new kinds of stories. Stories that are reflective of these different perspectives. When you do that, and your script is impacted by that, and your performers can find their way into the hearts of these characters, you're going to have richer stories, stories that will be appealing uh, uh, to broader audiences and yet still maintain their specificity. Um, uh, uh, this uh, will, will uh, allow for um, uh, new kinds of storytelling, um, uh, stories that uh, can be uh, broadcast on global networks. And, um, and that's exciting to me uh, because that's gonna help to unify us that's gonna to help to, to uh, allow us to agree uh, to uh, make the world a better place. And, um, and what can be better than that? The power of storytelling to heal. I think it's, a, it's an amazing place to, to end things. I'm inspired listening to you. Um, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, and taking a bit more as well, because I know we've, we've run over, but so much value so much we could talk about more as well i so many questions i didn't get a chance to ask ask you on this occasion um but jeff thank you so much for joining the show okay well uh, certainly invite me back alex uh, there's plenty more to talk about uh if i might uh, make a few plugs um uh, I'd, I'd love Please. for your audience to jump onto my uh, social media on twitter i'm at jeff underscore gomez uh, you can link in to me. I'm an easy Google. Um, uh, also, by the way, uh, during the pandemic, I've been uh, uh, coaching uh, uh, creative people. Um, uh, there are so many stresses and anxieties that have emerged out of what happened 
um, uh, traditionally, I've I've coached um, uh, executives and and uh, and uh, consulted on uh, uh, scripts for big blockbuster movies and, and things like that. Uh, uh, I have a, a coaching service that I'm now uh, allowing um, uh, myself to to speak with with people who uh, perhaps um, uh, are not in that same budget range, <laughs> um, uh, so that, uh, that I can share my experience with uh, uh, younger people or, or novices who are just uh, entering into the industry. So if you wanna find out more information about that, you can go to uh, slrlifestory.com, uh, or you can email me at jeff at starlightrunner.com. Amazing. So that was my conversation with Jeff Gomez. And if you want to find out more about Jeff uh, and any of the guests on the show, you can do all of this at futureoffilm.live. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you back on the podcast soon.